Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, but I like doing that part of my job. Here we go. Okay, it happens to all of us. What do you do when one of your directs really likes doing a part of their job that you believe isn't valuable? Okay, now let me me say that differently because to be clear, more precise, when they think it's more valuable than you do or when you think there is value but not as much as something else you believe is more valuable, it's reasonable for you to ask them to stop doing it. So it's not that it's not valuable. You know, most times it's something they used to do that created value. Right. And now they need to be doing something else that's more valuable. We could have a big discussion about value. I think many, in many cases, you can't come to a conclusion on value because if you're my boss, my definition of value is I like doing it or I used to do it or it keeps my job protected from being laid off. And those are all different value propositions than the boss's. And we're assuming the boss's value proposition is there's value to the organization and they understand the bigger picture. There's not to say that the direct doesn't either, but, but look, four simple steps. Okay. The first step we're going to do here is we're going to, we're going to remind everybody very briefly about the, about our scenario called delegating to the floor. We just recently did a podcast on it and I've gotten a bunch of questions and it's a little unusual to follow up a, a cast based on questions that I've got, but, but they're good. They're good questions all thematically. Uh, answered by this cast. Um, so we want to go over that. What do you do when, when you push stuff down and then the person at the bottom has nobody to delegate to and they have to stop doing stuff? Okay. And the answers are, number two, first, you encourage. You don't demand. You encourage your direct to stop work on lower value tasks and you assume their risk. And that, that comes out of the delegating the floor scenario. But point three, you allow them to continue working on what they want. Look, folks, you can't stop them. You can't force them. Coercion really doesn't work. You can incentivize them, but you can't coerce really. But, or and, you apply feedback to get what you want. The short answer in this cast, folks, is when your people say, I really want to keep working on that, say, you can, but I'm not going to give you any positive feedback for completing it. I'm going to give you negative feedback for spending time on it. I'm going to give you further negative feedback when you don't get other things done. There's no value in that relative to other things that produce more value. And I have to make some decisions and you can't do everything. And every minute you spend on that is a minute you're not spending on things that I believe are more valuable. It's as simple as that. And you say, so look, if you want to do it, it's fine, but you're entailing an incredible amount of risk. And I'm only going to give you reward, if you will, oversimplification. I'm only going to give you positive feedback if you do the stuff that delivers most value. Mike, the thing that I like about this cast is in a microcosm, first of all, it brings up that there's tension. And I think a lot of times people listen to us and they hear us talk and they say, oh, that sounds great and that'll work. But look, there's natural tension at work. Sometimes what we recommend the boss does is going to irritate some people in a short period of time. And we don't want you to irritate people. We want you to be natural and comfortable and people to respect you and so on. But there are going to be times when you're going to disagree and you're going to have to make a decision and people aren't going to agree with you and you're going to irritate them. And that doesn't mean that you should shy away from that. I think a lot of managers in the world, their first thought is, how can I not irritate my people because I'm afraid I'm going to lose them because I get graded on retention, which is a bad way to manage. On the other hand, the tension is important. We're addressing the fact that you and your direct disagree. But I also think it's important for everybody to learn that we want everyone in the organization to have more to do 
than they have time for. Because the opposite of that, you're never going to give anybody the exact right amount. The opposite of that is having too little to do, which means people spend way too much time on stuff that isn't valuable. And we want people then to have to learn to make choices about what's best and what's not. And they're going to be way better as managers or as team leads or as specialists or as individual contributors with growing responsibilities in the organization if they have to early on learn how to choose between 28 things when they only have time for 25 of them. They have to choose. And there are people who say, I don't want to choose. I just want to do all 28. And I want to do them all. 25, 28s is good as I would do 25 things. Well, that's not effective. And that's what this cast is about, how to move them in the direction of making the right choices. Good. Okay. So let's talk about the the scenario of delegating something to the floor. What do you mean by delegating something to the floor? Obviously, the, the floor can't do something for you. Yeah. So. Well, that's exactly right. We, that's why we call it delegating the floor, because the floor can't do it. And then it gets undone. And it gets undone, right. It does, the work stops. That's what it means. Right? Yeah, exactly. So we've talked about this before, but very quickly, the scenario, your direct had 20 balls he or she was juggling. Five of them were big, where 15 of them were small. You gave him or her a new big ball, one he can't do and still meet the rest of his deliverables, and he can't just add more hours, folks. That's never the answer. We talked about that in the in the delegating to the floor scenario cast, please, and we'll do future casts on time management and priority management, all that sort of stuff. And the answer is not to spend more time at work because you have a family and family outranks work. I'm going to say it again. There's no work-family balance. You're trying to balance the sun and a raisin. <laughs> there's no comparison it's like the difference between two being increased geometrically and two being increased exponentially. In a short while, there's no comparison. Okay. So your direct now has 21 balls to juggle and he can't get it all done. He can't fit those 21 balls into the box that he's got to carry his, his responsibilities around in. Something's going to break when he drops one of those balls. And the question really becomes, which balls is he going to drop? The answer, as we talked about in the cast about delegating the floor, was we ask our direct to prioritize their tasks. They're going to come up with a result that hopefully the lowest level tasks are going to be uncompletable, if you will. Look, if they were working on, in this example, if they were working on 20 things and now they have 21 and the 21, 21st is big, I almost just said 21th, which is which would be really embarrassing. And now I did just say it. It's so big that one big one, one big ball is equal to five small balls. And so we hope that the answer is they delegate five small balls, meaning less important priorities to the floor because they literally can't get them done because, again, they have a family and they have time constraints. We ask them to do an analysis, prioritize them, and then come back with a recommendation, but not a decision about what's least valuable and therefore can be left undone. Folks, I've said this before a couple of times. This is how we teach decision-making. First, we teach analysis. We give people lots of analysis to do. Once they've learned analysis and they learn how to set parameters and dig through the data and look at it in a number of different ways, the next thing we do is teach recommendations. Not decisions, but recommendations. And then they learn that a recommendation is a decision without action, if you will. And then lastly, once they've made a bunch of recommendations, which you find yourself following it over and over again, you say, okay, you're ready. You know how to gather data. You know how to do analysis. And now it's time to act on those decisions. But when they're an individual contributor, particularly, because a manager wouldn't have to delegate to the floor, you wouldn't be, if you're a manager, folks, you wouldn't be delegating to the floor because you could delegate to your directs. Okay. But they gather the data, they do the analysis, then they make recommendation because the next step is going to be the decision. And 
that comes from you. Yeah. And folks, like the idea that you can get everything done on your desk every single day is, I don't know anybody who ever goes home at the end of every day, every day and says, I got everything done. Nothing left of my, my Yeah, but but you know, you know, it's funny though. What you said though, Mike, is totally, it's a good good way to put it. If you think you can get everything done, and then you said, I don't know anybody who gets everything done every day. And the point is, guys, Mike, I would argue there are people who think they get everything done, right? They got the stuff done that they could get done that day. And it's because we've just gotten used to this backlog of stuff that we're never going to get to. But the point is exactly what you said. People don't get everything done because everyone we know leaves stuff undone on their desk. Everybody has piles at the back of their desk that they're going to get to, and they never do. And I joke with people at conferences. I say, just throw it away because you're never going to get to it. Or change your behaviors and start getting to it if you think it's more valuable. But shut the heck up about it in between. (laughs) Yeah. So the whole point is you can't get everything done. So pick the most important things. And sometimes the most important thing is not the thing you want to work on. I know this very well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. We all straggle after ripe blackberries, right? Every I mean, once on. in a while. Every yeah. once in a while. Okay. So let's go to point two. Encourage stopping work on lower value tasks while assuming their risk. Now, I mean, you as the manager, you're assuming the risk? Yeah, pretty much. Right, right. Once they give us their analysis and recommendations, again, that's leading up to, that's how we teach people to make decisions. They gather data, they go do analysis, they make recommendations, and then we make the decision. And then pretty soon they start making the decisions. We generally decide based on their recommendations about what they're not going to do. And look, it's possible that they're going to come back and say, I believe I can get everything done. And you have to decide whether or not you want to prove them wrong by letting them try and then giving them a lot of negative feedback because they don't get the big things done well. Or if they do get everything done, you say to them, well, apparently you were pretty lazy before you had all this stuff to do because you were staying the same amount of time back then, but you were getting a lot less done. So apparently I just need to keep giving you stuff until you break. And folks, please don't take offense at the phrase you break, but that's kind of how it is in the abstract. Let's burden people until they say, I can't do it anymore. And then we say, okay, that's good. Now we're starting to make good choices about what to work on and what not to work on. And by definition, what not to work on means it doesn't get done, right? So they gather the data, do the analysis, make the recommendations. We make the decision. We take the risk. We decide based on the recommendations. And the other other choice, by the way, as opposed to letting them work on everything is just say, nope, you're wrong. We're not doing these three things. Now, they may choose to still do those three things, in which case you give negative feedback after you've already told them, don't do that. But in either case, the same basic thing will happen over time. The stuff you want to get done will end up getting done. And it just depends on how quickly and how negative you want to be in terms of your your communications. But look, here's what you'd say. It probably sound a little bit like this. Look, you've got 21 things to do and you don't have enough time for them. My decision is that you not work on these bottom five tasks or these projects, these responsibilities. You suggested these bottom five are the least valuable. I agree. None of us have time to do everything. So we're always choosing what to do and what not to do. The professional choice is to do what delivers the most value. These top 16 responsibilities. By the way, a little side note here, folks, we started out with 20, but now we have 16 because we have six big ones as opposed to five big ones before. So I would continue. It's my decision that you not work on the other five. If you get any pushback from anybody, 
Tell them it was my decision and direct them to me. No problem, dude. I have your back. If you don't want to say, dude, that's fine. <laughs> if you don't want to say, I have your back, that's fine. You just want to tell them it's your decision. And to be clear, you can't not say that and then be surprised they continue to work on something which two weeks ago they were working on. People are fearful. And if they were working on something two weeks ago, they want to prove to you that it was justified two weeks ago by continuing to work on it. So you can't not say, I've got your back. Stop working on this stuff. Right. Otherwise, they'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah. They, they, they won't release it, right? They won't get past it. But, you know, most of us, I think certainly you and I and, and many people listening to this, this podcast have near perfect directs, right? But occasionally they don't, <laughs> they don't respond the way we'd like them I, I'm to. I'm sorry. Everybody else who's listening, wait, my, my, let, me just, let me just stick up for everybody here. Mike, l- let's not project yourself onto everyone else. My directs are perfect. I'm thinking of some of our friends who are listening right now and their directs are perfect. Are you really saying in front of a hundred thousand listeners that you're the only person in the room that doesn't have perfect directs? God. I'm shocked. I'm flabbergasted right now. I know. I, I know. I know. It kills you. Well, it's, it's because, well, apparently the issue is, is that they have a near perfect manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Not all the rest uh, of man, you are the perfect. Tr- the truth comes out. And you know, I didn't, you can lead a horse to water, but I know. Okay. Yeah, well, I know. I know. Okay. I know. I've been exposed. Yeah. yeah. I, I bow my head in shame. <laughs> yeah. Me too, dude. I'm hoping to be perfect for 30 seconds one time in my life. <laughs> okay. Now, smart guy. Now, answer my question yeah. here. What <laughs> happens? What happens when one of my, not your directs or anybody else listening to Yeah, right. One Just of my one of yours. What do I do when one of my directs balks or pushes back a little bit and says, hey, you know, they're pushing back on the guidance of don't work on those low, lower priority items. And they come yeah. back to me and say, hey, but I, I like that part. I get enjoyment. I get satisfaction about that part of my job. Yeah. I'll tell you something. I want to talk about role power in just a minute. But I also want to say this. If you hear that phrase and you get a little bit tense, don't feel bad, guys. It's pretty normal for managers to feel that way. We're hoping through manager tools that we can give you enough tools, that you get confident enough and capable enough and productive enough that you start to see those moments when historically a question or an issue like that indicating tension between you and your directs would cause that tension, that, that little bit of anxiety, that little bit of fear. Rather, I'd like to suggest that, that you, can, you can come to a place where you see that as okay, as normal, and actually good that they're willing to admit it rather than hide their dislike of the idea and then try to fight it privately or surreptitiously in some way. If one of your directs says, I really like working on that part of my job, recognize something. They're just stating the truth and you have an opportunity to address it. And by the way, if you don't like the challenge inherent in their statement, you're probably not going to do well to challenge them back directly and forcefully because they're not going to like being challenged, particularly since you have role power. Any more than you like the tension that happened when they said, but I don't want to do it because I really like doing that part of my job. And you know what? It just occurred to me, Mike, this is a great example for feel, felt, found. Dude, mm, I totally yeah. know how you feel here. And I, if I'd been working on all that stuff, I'd want to continue it. I've, I felt that way too. It's like, I'm working on all this stuff. Don't take it away from me. And what I found is the only constant is change. And in a year, 50% of your job will have changed. 
but you can't in a year keep doing the same things you're doing now because we don't pay you for your activity. We pay you for your accomplishment and accomplishments must be tied to results and organizational productivity. You can't do A if the company only gets rewarded for B. Well, you can, but you're not going to get rewarded and you're going to end up suffering in the long run professionally and career-wise. Okay. So just a little aside there. This is one of those moments where we totally discover that role power isn't all it's cracked up to be. If your directs resist your decision to stop working on something, you could just order them. You could just demand. You could insist that they only work on the work that your decision requires them to work on. But look, like I said earlier, you can't coerce them. That doesn't mean they'll necessarily do it. If they refuse, and for some directs, you know, trying to trump them with more energy doesn't do any good. It just gets their back up, right? All the ordering in the world won't inherently cause them to do what you want, even if it's what you believe the organization needs from them. So what we suggest, our recommendation here, guys, is do you take for now, at the moment when they resist, a softer, indirect approach? Do not insist. Do not demand. Don't get angry. Simply encourage. Simply encourage. Because, look, guys, this argument is not going to be won immediately. I mean, look, they walked into the meeting with you. If I walk into a meeting with Mike and he's given me 21 things to do and I don't have time but for 20 and I need to get rid of one big ball or five small balls that are the same amount of time in terms of productivity, if I'm going to say to you, but I like doing these things that my analysis suggests we shouldn't be doing, they're already walking into the meeting expecting to disagree. And then they brief you on it. And then you agree with them. And they're holding back on this thing that says, but I like this stuff. So by the time you get to the point where they say, but I don't want to not do this stuff, it's, it's important to me, it makes me feel good, they're going to be ready to defend it. And when you say, no, you have to stop, I've seen it happen. It just creates conflict. Okay? So here's what we recommend you say. Clearly, dude. Again, just to be clear, guys, you don't have to say dude. <laughs> dude is optional. If you had show notes, if you had our individual license, you'd see that dude is is optional. It's in, it's in optional. brackets. It's totally optional. Yeah. I will also say that um, every once in a while, I get an email from somebody and they start it with dude and it makes me feel so good. And you know what? Somebody said to me, oh, I just couldn't do that. And I thought to myself, no, okay, that's okay. At least you know yourself. And yet- I would think that if you want something from me, you'd want me to be feeling good reading your email. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's just an aside, but that's, I'm sorry if you're listening and you hear me say this, I don't mean to offend you, but that's just a stupid comment. It really is. If you can say something, clearly you can voice the words, right? But to say that you're unwilling to say the word dude to establish a relationship with somebody who you probably want something from just makes no sense to me. Okay, anyway, yeah. so I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. sorry. Whoever you are, I'm sorry. Again, I bow my head in shame. Choice A is my choice, which is, dude, clearly I can't force you to work on these top 16 responsibilities. Or, for the rest of you, well, clearly I can't force you to work on these top 16 responsibilities. But let me say this. I encourage you to stop working on them. You won't get any credit for working on them. Okay, I encourage you to stop working on stuff that's not in the top 16. You won't get any credit for working on stuff that's not in the top 16. You won't get any leeway for working longer hours. I'm not giving you leeway to ask for overtime. Okay, 
I'll hold you completely accountable for everything else in the top 16 for you to get top performance. Please don't report to me on the work you're doing on the bottom five to me or to anybody else. We don't say we're not going to do the work and then report on it, period. (laughs) Don't ask questions about it or ask for resources about it. I'm just encouraging you here, but if I see you working on it, I'm going to wonder whether or not asking for resources is about misapplication of those resources on valueless or less valuable tasks, activities, projects, and so on. I mean, I hate to say it, but don't expect me to reward you for doing it well, particularly if there's any chance that the top 16 you're supposed to be doing aren't doing exceptionally well because of your other work. So you leave it up to them. You say, I can't force you. I can't encourage you. I can be very clear that I'm going to reward you for the work on the right things. I'm not going to reward the work on the wrong things. And what's more, I will give you negative feedback. For those of you who don't know what negative feedback is, trust me, it's something very specific. I will give you negative feedback if I find that you're working on something that I've asked you to stop working on. I'm not going to punish you specifically, although you may end up feeling punished if you spend a lot of time working on the non-priorities, the you know the bottom five, if you will, because every minute you spend working on the bottom five is the minute you're not spending on the top 16, which we've agreed are more valuable for the firm. There you go. And you say this with a smile on your face, pleasant, it just, yeah. just professional communication. Okay. Yeah. And again, I think there are people who are listening go, ooh, this is conflict. This is tension. Yeah. And bosses have to deal with tension and conflict. You know, it, it is conflict. It is tension. But it is as low-grade conflict as you can get with a direct who's doing something you don't want them to do or that's not valuable to the organization, right? I mean, Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would say it differently. I would say it's conflict of an idea, a state of ideas right? They want to do something and I don't want them to do something. The problem is conflict to most people today is how they feel about a disagreement, right? I can Mm. say, you say A and I say not A. Well, we're in conflict. You could also say, we just disagree. And that's the way I see it. We just disagree and we're not in conflict. When I say conflict, I'm, I'm talking to most people who actually feel conflict, feel tension, feel discomfort. And all the great bosses I know, they might get uncomfortable that somebody's not happy, but they still know what the right thing to do is, and they do it. You know, the definition of professionalism is doing what, you, what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, whether you want to or not, without, without debate. So conflict and tension and how we feel about those things can really be different ideas. And I know we're in conflict, and I know there's tension, and I feel okay about that because you're poking with a conflict umbrella and I'm not, I'm choosing not to get mad all by myself. The direct who gets angry, that's their issue. And you don't have to be angry back. And it's really hard to be encouraging if you're angry. I think yeah, that's true. Very true. Yeah. You may think you're being encouraging, but it's, it's not encouraging. Yeah. So I think, I, I think that would go into the category of Colonel Texera looking at me with a very level stare and say, consider yourself encouraged dismissed. (laughs) And I would say, yes, sir. And I would be out of there uh, before the electrons hit the floor. There you go. All right. You mentioned in in the outline up front, something that I think will blow some people away. One of the options here is allow them to continue working on what they want. Yeah. I think this is something that a lot of newer managers miss. Guys, coercion doesn't work. People are going to do stuff wrong. They're going to head in the wrong direction. And part of the professional maturity that comes in leadership roles, management roles, is recognizing that people are going to go in different directions sometimes. And you can't 
go around thinking, I've got to stop everything that's wrong. You are not the king who has been anointed by a kingly sword to stop the growth of iniquity and to repair all things that have gone to disrepair. I'm sorry, I'm terribly misquoting from the statement made when the, when the king of England is crowned. Receive us here, this kingly sword. sword. That's where the phrase widows and orphans come. It's a really lovely, lo- lovely saying. And I'm sure there are some of you who are not big fans of the monarchy. Please don't give me a hard time about that. I'm a big fan of the monarchy. I think the queen is awesome. I think Queen Victoria was like one of the greatest leaders of all time back when women weren't what they are today. And they're still not what they need to be today. And ladies, that's a compliment. It's not a negative. Don't misunderstand me. But look, yeah, we're saying clearly, let your folks work on whatever they choose to work on for now. Look, we've made clear the bottom five aren't valuable. And uh, guys, to be clear, I, I some of you are maybe your heads may be spinning. Where's he getting this bottom five? You'd have to go back and listen to the the delegating to the floor cast or the juggling go on cast. Or if you've been to the conference, you know what we're talking about with the bottom five, where we walk through this in excruciating detail and make everybody come up with the answers. And then everybody goes, Oh, I get it now. Now I know everybody seems busy all the time, but maybe not everything gets done real well. The bottom five are a representation of stuff we're not going to do. If they choose to waste time on them, we can't force the right behavior. Force is just not an option for managers. You want people to choose the right thing. Now, sometimes you have to put very clear boundaries in place and say, if you choose this, I'll fire you. But you don't want to go around doing that. Power is inversely proportional to how often you have to use it, meaning have to use it. Our point here is the topic about which to have a disagreement with with your directs is not what they, quote, want to do, unquote, which, by the way, again, I think they'll probably over-defend and will believe you possibly, you can't possibly understand why they are so believing in these things they've been working on. Don't ask them to stop when they're still engaged in the work that they were doing a week ago that was their job a week ago. The leverage for us as managers is to get them to do what we want them to do, what the organization needs them to do. Rather than focusing on the stopping, encourage them to work on what we want them to start, much of which they've already been doing. And ask lots of questions about the new thing and the things you want done and ask no questions, essentially starve the stuff that we don't want done. And then when they choose to continue working on the bottom five, what ends up happening is it's fairly short-lived. You're not asking about it. You're focusing on the other things. Over time, they realize they get further and further away from the daily grind, which a month ago was them doing that part of their job. What'll happen is the work they have to do on the things you want them working on will gradually crowd out what you don't want them working on. And if it doesn't, it's probably time to give them more to do to crowd more stuff out of the bottom. That's right. The stuff you don't want done. That's right. Yeah, it's their choice, and very few of them are going to continue making that choice, the wrong choice from an organizational perspective, from you as a manager's perspective, for more than a month or two months. But if you fight them immediately and say, you're going to stop that now, they may not be ready to do that. And, of course, we've got another weapon, which is feedback. Yeah, exactly right. And We have a tool in our manager tools toolbox on how to encourage people to perform more effectively. And in and, and that case, look, we trust you as manager. You're not, you're not having them stop on something that you believe is valuable to the organization. Obviously, there's right, no, yeah. more valuable. So what tool do you use when to, to encourage people in the right direction? You give them feedback. Yeah. 
once you've told them what their priorities are, guys, that's part of our jobs, remember? (laughs) It's just a matter of giving feedback about what you want and what you don't want. When they accomplish the right things in the top 16, give them positive feedback. Anytime you see them moving in the right direction on the top 16, give them positive feedback. When they complain about time, which of course is dumb because time is irrevocable, and you know they're working on the bottom five, give them negative feedback about working on the bottom five. When they try to report on the bottom five, negative feedback. When they miss on the top 16, when you know they're working on the bottom five, negative feedback. Hey, can I give you some feedback? When you miss the deadline and you're also working on number 21, it not only slows us down, it disappoints me you're intentionally working on the wrong thing. Can you change that for me? Thanks, dude. And what we're doing here is we're feeding or rewarding the things we want, and we're starving what we don't want. And we're doing it gradually rather than saying, full stop, you have to stop that. Because at that point, people are invested, and that requires coercion, and it requires you spending roll power, and you don't want to go around spending a roll power. They'll come around, give them some time, encourage them, let them work on those things, but show them day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, that that's where good ideas go to die, working on the wrong thing. And when they work on the right things, congratulate them, encourage them, ask them to improve and starve the things that you don't want them working on. You're giving us West Point is a bad, a bad name. You're talking about like, you know, encouragement and, and some yeah, influence sure. and, you know. I remember the first time I unveiled the management Trinity, the manager tools Trinity, of course, two engineers, West Pointers, four parts for a Trinity. And the first word in every part of the Trinity is encourage. Yeah. We've talked about this before, you and I. I think we've mentioned it on air too. Why would somebody think that you could do something as difficult as engage an opposing army effectively in a complex environment with nothing more than rule power? Why would you think you could do that? Why would you think you would just use the lash that you could just order? Orders get you compliance. We want commitment. You have to encourage people. People are not going to run into opposing fire simply yeah, because they've been ordered to. to right? Yeah, they don't. The military gets a bad rap. And I don't mean, I don't mean, you know, I'm, I know there are many of you that are big fans, but it, it's just always seemed dumb to me. And I learned that the hard way. I tried to give orders like, no, you're a lieutenant. <laughs> we don't trust or respect you. Your orders mean nothing. The rank means something, but those orders, we're going to ignore them because we don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So look, that, that's it in a nutshell, guys. Remember about delegating the floor. Encourage, encourage, encourage stopping work on the lower value tasks. You're assuming the risk. Allow them to continue working on what they want after encouraging them to work on what you want them to work on. Feed the things you want, starve the things you don't, and apply feedback to get what you want. You don't have to force people. You don't have to argue about stuff. You don't have to command what ought to be your direct priorities. It's frustrating, and it's when they're most invested during a a state of high change. Let them do what they want initially, but only reward what you want. Fight, if you will, even though we use that word loosely, on your ground, not theirs, and not so soon after they've been stung by the fact that their job's going to change, which scares them. That's it. There you go. All right, my friend. I enjoyed that. My pleasure, sir. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to see you back here again next week. In the meantime, check out the discussion forums, 
www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. Hope to see you there. So long.